careful now. Boing. So cool to be playing vinyl. Vinyl. Took the record off the turntable. You ready for this? Welcome to Behind the Vinyl. Here's your host, Stu Jeffries. Hey there, and welcome to Boom 97.3's Behind the Vinyl podcast. I'm Stu Jeffries, taking you through some of our favorite sessions of Behind the Vinyl, where artists drop in to drop the needle on their songs and give us the stories behind it. Later in this episode, Tony Hadley and Martin Kemp of Spandau Ballet share a memory about when they first knew the song True would be a hit. Gary came into my bedroom with an acoustic guitar, sat down on the floor and played this. And it was absolutely one of those moments you go, yep, that's the game changer. That's coming up in a few minutes, but first, Mike's score from A Flock of Seagulls and the song Wishing If I Had a Photograph of You. Mike says this song went into <laughs> hiding for about a year before it was released. Is it on? Yeah, this was a track. Um, we recorded this in uh, Compass Point. Um, I think it was coming to the end of our first huge tour of America and we needed a new single and this was a song that I had written when I lived in Liverpool in a little bed sit kind of and I had the the riff so I I did a little demo and I took it to Mike Howlett who was our producer and uh, he was actually going out that night and he said but I've got a little studio in my back room here he said so why don't you do a little recording and mess about and by the time he got in at I don't know maybe one in the morning I had the whole demo done so he and I kind of mixed it up and then it got forgotten for maybe a year and uh, when we'd finished our first big American tour and needed a new single Clive from the record company said well what about that song that you played me last year and uh I was like, wow, yeah, okay, we'll do that. So we went to Compass Point, which was a really famous studio. And um, basically, we put it together there, and the Thompson Twins were in the next studio doing something from one of their albums. And uh, I think because it was our first holiday for like a year of being on the road, I think it... It's, the song has a lightness because of that, like, a, a, you know, thank God we're on a holiday kind of thing. And um, I wrote this song itself about uh, just before we went on tour, I was I met a girl and I was like, give me a photograph with your number on it. So when I get back in two weeks, which turned into a year, I'll give you a call. So she's like, no, no, you're going to go to America. Forget it. So when I actually got to writing the lyrics in Compass Point, I went, oh, yeah, remember, I wish I had that photograph, you know, and uh, it's, for some reason, it all just kind of came together. And uh, I was given a license, really, to play since any way I wanted, because we'd had hits now, and it was like, oh, it's, it's your ball now. So I just started playing all kinds of riffs and stuff on it. And that's why it's got, like, I don't know, like a four-minute instrumental outro because uh, I'd listened to it so many times without lyrics. And so to me, it was more of an instrumental that had lyrics put on it. And uh, uh, I just loved the sound of the synths going on and on and on at the end. Um, Didn't expect it to be a hit like it was, but it was, and that was great. 
just hearing it now like this actually brings a lot of memories back at Compass Point, which I don't think exists anymore. Um, it was a really beautiful studio and we had a great time for a week in Compass Point. And listening to the drums and stuff now, we we didn't want just a normal drum sound. We wanted to get really into electronic drums and stuff, which didn't really exist at the time. So we started sticking snare drums through flangers and then through another flanger and stuff like that. And I remember nobody really understood what we wanted, but in the end we got there and we're like, yeah, well, that sounds great now. Um, and there was also uh, this guitar part at the end was done on a thing called an Ebo, which we'd never heard of before. So once Paul started to play about with it, it became the folk, vocal part of the end because it was such a powerful sound. It was, uh, it was a lot of fun to record it. And I remember when it came out, we were in New York and somebody phoned me up and said it was the most beautiful synth song they'd ever heard. <laughs> so I was kind of like, wow, cool. I'm pleased with that. It was somebody from a radio station as well. And still catchy even today. Yeah. I don't know what else I could tell you about it, except uh, it's the kind of song I would like to write tomorrow. So, you know, and then just put it out, modernize it. Maybe I will. <laughs> Mike Score from A Flock of Seagulls and Behind the Vinyl. I'm Stu Jeffries and Spandau Ballet Talk True in a few minutes. First, though, Mark Holmes from Platinum Blonde and the story behind Situation Critical. Okay, well, this song... Um, originally started out more of a very rock, rock track, and uh, we started doing some pre-production with uh, a fellow named Dave Tyson, um, who doesn't get enough credit for the way this song came about. He decided to really electronic it up a bit and add, added the beat and and the um, the bass line, even though the bass line was similar. But I was playing on, on my bass guitar and not like a bass synth synthesizer. And um, when we were looking for, for uh, producers for the record, I, you know, the label know that I wanted to co-produce, so I was looking for some, And they chose Eddie Orford, which, which, which at the time to me was strange because he was very much a 70s producer with Yes and, and, and things like that. And, and before David Tickle was very much of a, for our first album, was very much of a cutting edge. Idea. But it, it, it turned uh, um, producer, and I, and I think it turned into uh, an interesting collaboration. Um, people should learn from that. I think uh, bringing different generations together to create something for now, the now music. Um, situation critical. Do I know what it's about? I, actually, my friend Steve, Steve Cox is a comedian. Uh, he's quite well known, and um, one of his lines was uh, were sorry. Uh, he may still use it. So, so some people live alone and like it. I live alone and look it. 
So I, used, I, I stole his line and, and, uh, and started the song that way. Um, I don't generally like to say what songs are about because most people have had uh, quite a while to live with this song and, and, and probably have their own ideas of what it's about and, and how special it is to them in, in their way or if, whether or not they hate it for a certain reason, I don't know, but I don't want to ruin that. So. Um, most of my writing, most of my lyrics are, are painting a picture that you can all interpret a certain way. So I never really say, oh, I'm going down to the store, I'm going to buy some booze, I'm going to drink myself into a coma sort of thing. So being very literal about it, I'd, I'd, I'd probably paint a bit of a picture, you know what I mean? And, and so it can mean something different to different people. Um, what else about this? I think it was, uh, well, this was the second single off, off uh, Alien Shores. Only half of the album was a conceptual album based on my unrest with my religious upbringing, as it were, my Catholic upbringing. Um, I, I decided to make my own sort of little history of the earth on the other side of it. Um, and uh, based on Peter von Donner, remember him, Chariots of the Gods and all that, like kind of that always got to me is having aliens coming down and nothing to do with Scientology please, I'm just, just wrote a, uh, some lyrics that, 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 so the other side of this record is, is like a concept thing and hence the alien shores and then the side, the first side is, is the singles that we put out that really didn't have anything to do with alien shores. Mark Holmes from Platinum Blonde on Behind the Vinyl and Situation Critical. I'm Stu Jeffries, and it's true time. Tony Hadley and Martin Camp dropped the needle on one of their biggest hits, a vinyl copy that they hadn't seen in quite some time. This is the first time I've got to say I've heard true on vinyl for must be 20, 30 years or something like that. Yeah, it is, but doesn't it, it takes me straight back to the thrill of taking that record home to my mum and dad yeah. and putting it on the record player. It's I just on I the gramophone. Know. It's just really nice. I mean, I don't know. I mean, I'm I'm not a terribly big nostalgic freak, but you know, when we were kids, you used to buy a record, save up your pocket money, mm. and then and then kind of like investigate the whole thing, where it's produced and everything else. Well, well the nice thing about hearing it on this kind of this vinyl is that it just takes you back to how kids were listening to it in yeah. the 80s yeah in the same way that i buy 78s or you know like old elvis records yeah. and put it on an old 78 player yeah. so that you can hear it the same way as the kids were listening to it time in the 50s it's pretty primitive i mean when you were recording stuff like that and it's got all the lyrics. I've forgotten it's got all the lyrics on the back as well, which is brilliant. Yeah, but, but you, you still don't understand, even though you can read them. Don't understand. <laughs> but your brother's lyrics. I, I sing it, but don't ask me to understand. Yeah. But no, I mean, well, I don't know. I mean, I, I think the biggest, well, one of the biggest influences on this album and, and this track was probably Steve. Yeah. Because he picked up yeah. the saxophone. Absolutely. And yeah. percussion. You know yeah. what he's like, he just picks up instruments yeah. and learns to play them as easy as anything. But this whole record was a change for us, wasn't it? You know, oh, it took us away massive. from being that kind of cult, cult, cult rock band. The floor. You know. Well, I mean, if you look at Depeche Mode and stuff like that, I mean, we, you know, we were, you know, we were a club band, we were a synth band. Yeah. You know, and every, you know, cut long story short, the freeze. Yeah. All you know, all that kind of stuff was like four on the floor, and this was like such a massive, massive departure. 
We had a nice holiday, though. Yeah, it was nice, yeah. <laughs> it was <laughs> nice. Went to the Bahamas and just went, yeah. oh, well, that'd be nice. It, it took me about a day to put my bass lines down, and then I had about three weeks, six days off, so it was nice. But it is, it's, they're lovely memories, these listening to this. Well, I mean, I'm not being funny, but this was the album, and this, this song was the one that just really made it for us. I mean, yeah. you know, I mean, I remember yeah. when Simon Bates, the Radio 1 jocks, was saying, this album, you've got to buy this album. And he played True yeah. once, which is, it's a long song. I can't remember how long it is. Five, oh, something five like minutes, five and a half 5.30, minutes. something like that. Yeah. Or oh, is it six? Oh my good God, I think it might be six. Anyway, and then and then he played it again. And DJs, I'm not being funny, DJs today mm. don't play records. They don't play what they want to play. Everything's yeah. playlisted. And he said, if this is not a number one, then you know there's no justice and stuff. Yeah. And at that point, everyone went, oh, thanks very much. The record yeah. company were happy. But it was, it was a massive change for us, definitely. You know, the first time I, I heard Gary play this, you know, and we shared bedrooms in that house yeah, yeah, yeah. in, in um, uh, Elmore Street. Elmore Street, you used to live there. Yeah, Elmore Street. Elmore yeah. Street. And uh, we shared this bedroom, and uh, my mum was upstairs cooking or doing something. And uh, Gary came into my bed, into the bedroom with an acoustic guitar, yeah. sat down on the floor and played this. And it was absolutely one of those moments you go, yep, that's the game changer. Yeah. Because it, it, all the hairs go up on the back of my neck, and, and I remember it as if it was yesterday. See, I, I, I wasn't sure, because I remember when... I know, you I, never I, thought I it was first, a single, I didn't did think you? it was a single. Yeah. Because I think we were so established, you know, I mean, I, I loved the kind of the four and floor synths kind of stuff. So this was such a massive departure for us, and this was our first ballad. Yeah. And all of a sudden, you know, how are people going to view Spandau Ballet doing a ballad? And for me, I was thinking, oh, is it a single? Is this the way we should be going or whatever? A beautiful song that it was. Beautiful song. Terrible video, right? Bloody I mean, awful. it's not a terrible... It's a classic no, it's video, a right? Video. People know it. <laughs> but it. At one point, it was even worse, wasn't it, to be honest? It was, we had yeah. that cartoon man wandering Cartoons around. running down the, bo yeah, the bottom that of the screen. we had taken out, do you remember? Yeah, it was Russell Mulcahy did yeah, the video. Yeah, but it, it was right at the beginning, wasn't it? It wasn't in that period where everyone was going away spending 250, quarter of a million yeah, pounds yeah, yeah, on, on videos. videos. Yeah, yeah. It was just at the beginning of MTV. Well, it was just MTV. in a, it was just in a, a big you know sound stage yeah. or whatever and uh yeah. you know i mean it, it was an awful video i mean it yeah. really was well awful. it was a performance I mean, yeah, you know yeah, and we, so. we you know half the money was spent on that cartoon that, we, and that didn't end up in the final cut so it was what it was yeah. but I, i'm just trying to remember i i didn't because we went to the bahamas to record this album which kind of had a big influence on the sound of the album, that kind of laid back, yeah, yeah, yeah. man, you know, everything. Yeah. We were walking slow, the yeah. sun was shining, and then with Steve Sachs, the percussion. But then um, I, I remember I did the vocal for this at Red Bus Studios in oh, London, just off of Church Street. I didn't do the vocal for oh. this in the Bahamas. Right. And it, I got to tell you, it's a flipping hard, it was a hard vocal to do mm. at the time. And even now, it's it's not it's not like a breeze vocal. Yeah, I yeah. mean, you know, like through the barricade. Yeah, yeah. No, no, no. It's just yeah. you know, I can see that with my eyes yeah. closed. Kind of. But true is is the nuances in the lyrics and the and the and the melody. Yeah, kind of well, not tough, but it, it's you. Yeah. yeah, you have to know what you're doing. But it's got a bit thing. of soul in it, hasn't it? Yeah, you know, it's not a rock song. It's got no, a bit of soul we, in we, it. we went down a rocky route later yeah. on for this one. Yeah, but 
Hey, listen, it was number one in 21 countries around the world, and thank you very much. And uh, as I said in our film, it sort of went from a Ford Cortina to a lovely Jaguar. Congratulations. So, thank you very much. <laughs> <laughs> Tony and Martin from Spandau Ballet and True. Great track. As this podcast ends, another one waits in the wings. I'm Stu Jeffries. See you next time on Behind the Vinyl. This has been Behind the Vinyl, the podcast. Hosted by Stu Jeffries. Audio production courtesy of Doug Morehouse, Derek Walsman, and Troy McCallum. Thanks for listening.